So anyway, all right. We, we need to be serious now again. Okay. So uh, uh, the portion, uh, I, I want to read us a little portion. We can read together. Um, it's, uh, I'm going to read a portion out of Luke and in Matthew. It's exactly the same story. There's just a little bit of variation. It's the story of the sower. And then Jesus explaining that parable of the sower. And you'll see this, this uh, here and there a little bit of variation. So, you know, I, I don't know if Jesus had this as a sermon that he regularly preached. And he just had a different angle at times. And as it was recorded, Matthew and Luke had it just a little bit different. But I thought it's good to read both of you and just get a bit of a more fuller picture of what Jesus is saying. So, uh, let's start with the one in Luke. We go backwards. Now, the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. These are the guys that... Oh, anyway, go. And the ones on the rock are those when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. And as for what fell amongst the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by three things, cares, riches, and pleasures of life. And their fruit, this is interesting, their fruit does not mature. The plant doesn't wither away. They are there, they're in the church, but their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Matthew. Here then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in their heart. That this is what was sown. Along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word, immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecutions arise, now this is one of the things that Luke, uh, Matthew adds, on account of the word, the very word, <laughs> test them, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, doesn't give us three years, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown in the good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understand that he indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold. This is added, right? In another 60 and another 30. Depends who's preaching, right? <laughs> but uh, it's, it's amazing <laughs> the potential of the word, right? It's amazing that a seed can fall on a certain soil and absolutely do nothing. <laughs> and yet fall on a different place in soil and it can bear fruit up till a hundred times. No, I just, I'm just wondering how blessed we are with the amount of seed that is sown in our hearts. 
thinking that each one has the potential to produce in us up to a hundredfold. Now, you know, one of the things that I think about this portion, you know, is that Jesus has definitely an order of progression in Christians, you know, and, and it's, it's, I don't like to say this, but it's like, it's like levels, right? <laughs> There's level zero <laughs> that receives the word, but it just never, never penetrates. They don't get saved. It's not like the gospel is not preached by them. It's just never mixed by faith. So, I mean, these are the thousands and the millions and the billions of people out there that is heard, but just never, never, ever touched it. This is second level, level one. I mean, the first one isn't really a level, but it's a, it's a next level. And I do think it's a level, right? So these are the guys. Now, uh, let, me, let me say something. When, when we were in the Karoo, it's a new, different world for me to try and translate Karoo Afrikaans to English, right? So now I go, I go, we go with this farmer, and me and Naka go with this guy, and he, he tries to explain to us the, the condition of the felt and what is good and what is not, you know. And so he says, Do you see now Ranky felt? So I'm like, okay, I need to, ex- I need to translate. So it's like, it's very quick here. The edgy, the edgy there, <laughs> you know. So then uh, he says, and then, daar nie leegte, daar is nou die goeie grond. So ek sê, they're in the empty. They're in the empty. It's, uh, right? It's, <laughs> it, was, it was very difficult. The Lucerne of the land, the Lucerne on the lands, you know, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's bizarre, but I, uh, uh, what, the, what the point was, and what I realized there, as the guy was explaining to me, is, look, in that area, you have about four times a year where it rains more than 10 millimeter at a time, so where there's actually enough water to make a response on the felt. You've got four shots at times in a year, right, in an average year. And so how you manage your felt is extremely important. Because the nature of rocky soil or mountainous soil is this. It responds much quicker than that in the, if you may, in the valley, in Iliachta. Much, much quicker. And so if you don't get your sheep there immediately, you've got a week in which it responds. If you don't get your sheep immediately there, your livestock immediately there, it will be two weeks after it and that, that will be completely gone. It's where it was you will have an immediate response where that little mountainous area will become a green carpet. It's like, it's amazing. It's so impressive. It's like, wow, the Karoo is green for a week. <laughs> and then sun comes and it just, it just withers, its, it, withers its, it, it away. And so again, on those that have depth, the soil that has depth, it doesn't respond necessarily as quick. It's not that initial flash, but the felt lasts much, much longer. Now, again, not to generalize, you know, please, I'm, 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 but I'll say this in my, in my experience of just checking out the Christian thing. Many, many guys in their late teens and early 20s experienced the Lord for the first time. Many, even in this room, I don't know all of you so well, but, but many, you know. And it's an, it's an, interesting, it's an interesting thing when, when I see this. The response usually is dramatic, right? It is, it is high in worship. It is high in expression. It is loud in every area. But you look at them, 
and you're thinking by yourself, there's a 50-50% chance. Because the very word of God is about, the very word that caused this green is about to challenge. And they're going to be challenged that that things that they hold on so dearly is only going to go this far. They're about to go for the ringer. And some of what they love is going to need to stay behind. I don't know if they love Jesus enough to come through on the other side. You know, it's just like, it, it's, I, I, I think of, of some of the younger, younger guys, you know, that, that you, you think after a week, there's only, it's about one or two things that he can tell you. Listen, I've led the whole hostel to the Lord, or, amen, sorry, I got drunk again. Or, I got drunk and then I preached to the whole hostel and they get saved, right? It is, it is, it is that type of, type of soil that you're sitting with. And every one of you that has served the Lord for longer than a year, two, three years, would have some states been, been tested by the very word of God that something that you love you can't take with you anymore. And all of us at some stage have seen when that word comes, some is left behind, withered away. And I mean, many that is here that I know has actually chose God in that moment. There was enough depth in their hearts to stick around. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, to uh, um, pick an example now of, of someone that I, that, that I that I know of the difficult experience. I I, I want. I, I where's where's Lucas? That's outside. And we'll get to the cares of the world now. <laughs> it's a joke. Uh, um, uh, who can I choose? Mike. Oh, we we need to we need to welcome Mike here actually. <laughs> Mike and Eddie. So 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 Mike took TNT. Uh, after me, and uh, he led the Wellington congregation and and TMT, and actually at the moment is they're in a new season of their lives where they are. Can I use the word apostolic? You know, <laughs> where they are traveling between churches uh, and helping, and so we are very uh, very blessed to have them around here. Mike, when he was younger, so <laughs> I have to use that opportunity. I, I don't. He had, a, um, he had a worship band, right? And he was on his way to become quite famous. <laughs> but some stage in the life, the word of God, the course of where the Lord has him and the course where he wanted to go had to die. And if worship performance and fame was in his heart, he would have weathered away, right? And so, so that's, the, that's the story of many of us. And if you go through that time, if you've moved on from level one, I'll tell you, you will wake up as a Christian that served God for around five years, and you will wake up one day looking around you and all your Christian friends, all your friends are Christian. All your music, I wanted to say CDs, but I mean, we don't have CDs, of course, all your CDs <laughs> and tapes. <laughs> It's, 
is Christian, right? You, you've, you've, you've started to, to kind of go in, if you would have gone into the dating process, oh, there's very strong ideas of how it should be, right? It needs to be a Christian. It needs to have all those type of things that is set in place. Oh, then the children is going to come. Oh, and then you will probably wonder about things like, should I homeschool my kid or should I send them to, to school? Should I, uh, the, the worry of the, the world system that might touch my children, all this type of things you will chat about. You will have general Christian conversation that many of us take. The things that will irk you will irk all of us, right, of, of the things that's in the world. For you at that stage to leave Christianity will be a massive slip. You'll have to find friends again. Your life is so set by that time, right, that it is harder to get out than to stay in. When last have you thought of getting out of Christianity? Have you thought of all the admin? (laughs) I wouldn't even have a job anymore, you know. (laughs) <laughs> right? I mean, it, it, I'm just saying that there comes a time that to stay around and to stay in this mold, probably for most, if we have made that initial decisions and have kind of come to that place, the cause is set for us till the day we die. Most of the guys that has gone through the withering away stage are sitting in the churches from the age of middle 20s, 30s till the rest of their lives. It's not that they will wither away completely and turn to another faith or just kind of bit out of it. That's their thing now. That's their culture. That's what they're stuck into. But I'm telling you, the next type of challenge that come with, and I'm just saying, I mean, there is 50-50 when the word roots, and you don't know if they're going to come through on the other side. But if it comes to where, where Luke asks the question or Luke poses the question, where the, where, the field, where the the field is there, but it's choked in such a way that it doesn't bear fruit. It is around, but the ultimate testimony that it bears so it's popping off fruit is increasingly, is increasingly missing. And I'm saying, I mean, I, I, I don't want to throw percentages out there. I don't know, but a massive, massive percentage of those in the church who hung around their whole life and choked to ever bear fruit. And it's settled because the plant is there. It's like the fig tree that Jesus got to. It's full of leaves but no fruit. And it remains as a true plant. It remains as a true tree. It remains of carrying all the Christian attributes and all the Christian, you know, slogans and mandates and things and friends. It's all there. It's Christian cities in your car, all those type of things, you know. But something of the, 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 the fruitfulness, of the bursting out in fruitfulness is just, it's just choked and it's just gone. So, you know, um, you know, it's Luke that gives the three. He says the pleasures of the world. He says the riches. And he says then the cares of this world. Um, I, um, I have this... Um, when, well, let me say this. When I was a 
child. My parents were much older parents. They, they got me when they were close to their 40s, right? And uh, my sister was in, the, they were already in their 40s when they got me. My, my parents are quite conservative, at least outwardly. They, they, they used to be, right? And in lack of a better word, my parents were seriously uncool, you know? And they were the source of lots of embarrassment for me many times, you know? And there was a time that I would look at my parents and I thought to myself, I will not be an uncool parent. I will not do that to my kids, right? I determined in my heart with everything, I will be a cool parent. So, lo and behold, I'm realizing, you know, <laughs> that they don't think I'm so cool, right? Like, my jokes just doesn't work. It just, and not that it falls flat, I mean, it blows up in my face all the time. And the typical, I mean, I, if I can tell you how often I get the typical teenage look you know, after I try to be cool or something, it just, it just falls flat all the time. And so um, with, with, with Hannah specifically, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, to go in. It just doesn't work, you know. So the other day we, are, we, we do um, daily our, our family devotion and so on. And just before the devotion, you know, she's maybe dragging her feet coming into the room and so on and I trying to make a joke and you know, make a comment, didn't fly, you know, it didn't work. And so um, I'm like, at some stage, I'm like, all right, all right, just, let's, just, let's just read. Let's just read. And I'm, we're in Luke, and it's, it's where we ought to read for the day. And the first verse that I read is, whoever wants to follow me must hate his father. <laughs> I'm like, come on, Jesus, you can't do this to me. And I could hear on the other side of the room, no problem. <laughs> she didn't say it, but I could feel it. I could feel it. <laughs> so, so that's one of these things, you know, you, you do your, your, your children's devotion. And I'm telling you, at least our experiences, many days, it just feels like a ritual that you're going through. It just doesn't feel like, you know, every time they fall on their knees and repent and so on. But every now and then, you know, it actually does penetrate or there's something that, and this morning, as I continue to read, you know, you need to hate your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, husband, and wife. I mean, they suddenly, their ears are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, the whole time, Jesus is telling us, and we are trying to love our brother we are trying to love who we need to. And suddenly Jesus is turning it around here. Must hate. And it's like, whoa, what, what on earth? What does he mean, you know? And so it was, it was actually one of those times where you can really start chatting a little bit deeper. And, and what we say is like what Jesus is saying, even the good that is in him, you know, even the good that could come from him, even the things that he has designed, if they would come and take a higher and superior place than him, will become a problem. So that even a father that comes to that sacred place of him, and, and in that sense, as a threat, needs to be hated. You know, it's good to say, you're still my first love. <laughs> And I'm telling you, you'll be challenged with that regularly, <laughs> right? Now, 
one of the things that, and, 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 and why I'm saying this, is much of what I'm saying is, is need to be hated. It's not that it's not lawful, but the question is sometimes, is it profitable? You see, if your question is lawfulness, you on a, you've missed it. Paul's question is no longer, is it lawful or not? His question is simply, is it profitable? Right? So one of the things is on, on, on the farm, I realize that when I wake up in the morning, I'm just, it's me. When I wake up in the morning, there's something that inspires me to wake up. And that's the first cup of coffee. It gives me reason. It's a little joy that's just, I'm going to say it, I'm going to take the time to make it, make it just exactly as I want it, you know, I'm just like, and so I was like, well, this is like a little bit of a problem, you know, so, so I make, I make this deal, I make this deal, this is like, I'm not going to drink any coffee until I had first time with the Lord. I'm going to first have time with the Lord and then have coffee. And you, <laughs> it was initially a challenge for me, right? It just didn't motivate me <laughs> as the coffee did, right? And then, you know, what I see, and I, I, I mean, we speak about pleasures. I mean, we way past the sex, drugs, and rock and roll, right? I'm not afraid that, that Tareen will tell me, with Luckily, they're not here. Sorry, man. Lucas is again wasted here on the couch. Can you just please come and help? That's not the issues. That's not the issues with they, that league of Christians that so many of us here is finding us staying sober. But there's little innocent pleasures that just hooks us. And this is how I know when a little innocent pleasure has hooked me. The things of the Lord becomes duty. Time with God becomes duty. Come becomes duty. Meeting of the brothers becomes duty. It's so interesting, you know. It becomes duty and the highlight of my day. Okay, I'm only going to have two coffees. It's become the two markers in my day. And see, like, like little things, it's just, and I, I'm saying now, again, pleasures of this thing, but little things like, Look, of course, get, I mean, we just went on a two-month holiday. Go on holiday. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But even the thing that is mockers of my day that brings joy is breakaways, is this, this excursion that I'll do, this thing that I'll do. And it's almost a reward for dutifully serving God. Right? And in some ways, that which is seeming innocently has choked. It's a pleasure that's choked my passion and desire for the Lord. Are you guys understand what I'm saying? Yeah? <laughs> then, uh, secondly, you know, riches. It's, it's, again, I mean, one thing can I say, naturally, I'm not, I'm not so into money. I don't. I don't, it's, it's never been that much of a grab for me is to be rich. There's other things that, that would grab me. But rich has not been something that's much of a grab for me. But, but, but I remember when I just, you know, became Christian and stopped following the Lord. It was, you know, David says, I will give nothing unless it costs me something. 
there was something when there was costing God to give me a kick. It was the cost, the sacrifices like, ah, oh, it's so nice. I remember money that will come my way at, at, at times. I would think of how I can invest it into the kingdom. That was my thinking. You know, right? How can I invest it into the kingdom? So give it to missions and so on. And the money that I give into a mission, the money that I give into a mission that I didn't go on to had an extra sweet taste on it. Oof, I've given something that is not. It's like that, 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 that sacrifice unto the Lord. You know, I, I, um, Jesus would say, the kingdom of God is like a treasure. It's like a treasure, right? You see this treasure? You see, oh, shucks, this treasure is in a field. The only way that I can get this treasure is that I buy this field. Now, it doesn't matter how big the field is. The treasure is worth it, no matter how much you invest in it. And so I would see giving up my life, giving up a treasure that is this big, and a field that is a hundred rugby fields, laying down everything to get that which seems disproportionately not worth it, but the kingdom seems worth it. But you know, sometimes riches, and I'm not speaking of maybe a house in Moorstad's stuff, baby. I mean, that may, might be. But even this little, little, um, little riches, even like, my, my head is just on eating out. My head is just on that type of things. And suddenly I find that where the treasure is this big and now the field is this big, it becomes a sacrifice to buy that field. Suddenly there's a knock on my heart on generosity. And this is interesting. This is, they work straight against one another. The treasure dumbs in a heart. The treasure dims. The kingdom is not so attractive. The sacrifice for the kingdom loses its attractiveness directly when the riches becomes burning brighter in our hearts. They cannot be together. Riches and kingdom can't burn at the same time. They can't burn at the same time. And what I've found is even in my everyday life, I mean menial things, my head is starting to spin you know, how to get that thing and how to get that thing. Oh, yeah, and I need to tithe. Oh, yeah, and how can we find a way? How can we chop this field off just a little bit smaller? I mean, there's so much waste and just a treasure like this. Can't I make the field a little bit, can't I make the waste a little bit less? Right? And so for me, the proof of where, where wealth has become a weed is where my hand becomes like this towards the kingdom when it comes to generosity. It just becomes harder. You know it. <laughs> you know when your hand is like this, and you know when it's like, ah, ah, I don't want, you know. But even more than the money that flows in and through you is how much does the riches of this world occupy your mind and your heart? How much does the bulls, the, the cars, Whatever is targets financially occupying your mind and your heart. I'm telling you it's a choker. <laughs> and then lastly is the, is the cares of this world. Now I, I, I'm, I'm reading, Mary and Martha has just been so close. Traditionally, you know, this is how the Mary and Martha story is. 
Now I'm speaking to you guys like as full-on Christians as know the Bible inside out. Maybe I'm just a little bit explained to it. There were two women, right? Two sisters. Jesus entered his house, their brother's house. And I don't know if it was all three of their houses, but the brother's also there. Jesus in that house. He loved the house. He's speaking to the people. And Mary, the one sister, is sitting on his feet, drinking every word. And Martha is, in that sense, making sure she's serving around in the house, right? And then at one stage, she gets annoyed. This is, a, this, is, this is, by the way, a sign of a choker. If, if someone's passion annoys you, <laughs> if someone's love for the Lord annoys you, if someone seems so irrelevant because of their walk with the Lord, or just please tell them to just, right? But anyway, so, so, so Martha... And, and, and I, you know, generally, I'm, you can, I, I told my wife, I realize I'm a Martha. She's like, you're not a Martha. <laughs> so, so, no, no, but practically. So, so, so I, the reason why she said it is our definition of Martha is she's the practical one. And our definition of, of, the, of the Marys is the spiritual one. And at some stage, we go like, whoa, guys, we're going to overemphasize here the Mary part. We need Marys and Marthas. We need a little bit of Mary and a little bit of Martha. We need a little bit of balanceness. We can't just, sure, Mary is better, but we need a little bit of, of both, right? But, but in reading that portion, it's got nothing to do with spiritual and practical, nothing. Jesus' concern with Martha is not that she's too practical. Go read what it says to Martha. It says, Martha, Martha. You're concerned with many things, and you carry many cares. It's not the fact that she is practical that's the issue, but that her heart is consumed with many cares. Other translations said, Martha, Martha, you are distracted with many things. You know, uh, we start that children's song with, everywhere I look. Everywhere I look, I see you. Everywhere I look, I see you. When cares consumes me, I don't see the Lord everywhere anymore. You know, I, I, I sometimes my heart is so, you know, it's just this care and this worry and this thing and that thing. It just, it just, and it mulls in my head. I sometimes go to checkers, buy stuff and come back. I come back and I'm thinking by myself, I was completely on autopilot now. I don't know how did I get there, how did I get back, and how did I got the stuff in. It was just, I was completely, people would have walked past me and waved me. I would have not noticed. I'm just completely unaware, right? And I know that when cares grip me like this. And see, there's something when, when cares doesn't grip us. It's that moments where we are everywhere I go, I see the Lord. There are times when my heart is so soft towards the Lord, it burns for the Lord, that literally I can go to checkers and I can see the Lord. I see Him everywhere. I experience Him everywhere. And then other times my heart just, the cares are just choking. It gets cold. I still listen to Christian music, by the way, and all my friends are Christian, by the way, and I go to church. Oh, I sometimes preach as well. <laughs> but everywhere I go, I don't see Him anymore. You know, I've been, uh, um, another book that I've been reading is the Songs of Solomon, right? 
And I know there might be now a, a little bit of a debate is does it reflect the relationship between Jesus and the believer or is it just a story about love between a husband and a wife? Either way, either way, it's a reflection of how love should be demonstrated. Man, that girl, I mean, just go read Songs of Solomon again. It's, it's R-rated, man. It is sop. It is sensual. It's erotic. Very. <laughs> and there is so much passion. When this guy walks in this room, this girl is almost fainting. Every time. <laughs> it's love for the Lord, baby. <laughs> it's it's that type of type of burning, and I know that burning, and I know when that burning is completely choked. And Jesus will flip and dance around me, and I will miss it. I will not feel it. He walked right past me, and it's dead, right. Now, um, I, 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 this is our battle. We need, to get the, we need to get the sweets out of our land. <laughs> if we want to be fruitful people that truly display the Lord, we need to get it out of our hearts, right? We can't settle with a Christian life. That is Christianity until the day we die. But it's so little real expression of the fruit that God wants, Jesus wants to have. But Jesus in, in, in John 15, which is his portion, when John 15 we say, Jesus, the Father is glorified and that you bear much fruit. After he given us the, the three abides, abide in him, abide in his word, abide in his love. And then he says, Jesus says this, he says this, so that my joy can be in you and your joy be made complete. It's like, I'm thinking, look, how much of your prayers just God keep me? Oh, oh, Lord, just get me through this. How much of our Christian approach is then like, God, help me survive. But at this state where my joy is complete, meaning you can't add to it. You know when you are satisfied in the peace of God, you're just so settled. You know that satisfaction of you are so complete in the joy of God. You know, uh, Linky, Linky is, uh, um, <laughs> she can't hear me. So Linky, Linky, is uh, theologically her expression might not be the most polished. But Linky, one, one, one Sunday, she testified. She said, look, I realized something in my heart. I repented. I turned to the Lord. And he has just come and said, I mean, I, I don't even know the word what she said. And she's trying to explain it, how I feel. You know when someone encounters the Lord? Like, it's like, and Linky's words was this. It's like, it's just bubbles. <laughs> it's like bubbles. That's a theological phrase that we can coin there, right there. Whoever has met the Lord will have bubbles. And if you've ever met the Lord, you know what I'm speaking. My question is, do you walk in bubbles at the moment? Because surely my joy is complete. I'm just, that's just one fraction of the Christian walk that we have so far kind of settled for. Jesus, Paul prays this prayer in Ephesians 3. It's like, it's just so much what came out of the worship this morning, which is so cool. But Paul says, he prays this, he says, God, according to your glorious might. 
No, I was, I was reading that. You know, sorry, guys, I'm like, I was in a sabbatical. I'm full of like, uh, excited about a lot of stuff now. But, but I just, I stood still at this. I mean, just starting off with this prayer, God, according to your glorious might. I can say of nothing on the earth according to your glorious might. Prozac, according to your glorious might. No, I can't say that. Uh, the Karoo, according to your glorious might. No, I can't say it. There is nothing that I can fully look in and say, according to your glorious might. According to your fullness, God. Here is a being, Paul is praying. Here is a being, God, according to your glorious might. Come by the power of your spirit and strengthen my inner man. It's not just a droplet of just getting me by for this week. But according to your glorious might, come with your spirit and strengthen my inner man. Oh God, so that I'm full of peace, full of joy, full of your life. And Paul is bursting here at this moment. And then he says, may Christ come and dwell in our hearts by faith. And he's speaking to believers, right? Now sure, he believes, he that believes in the Lord, his spirit and God's spirit becomes one. But there's something in my heart. What is in your heart? Well, what your heart is full of, your mouth will speak. If you're not at church, if you're at your most relaxed, what is coming out of your mouth? What is the thing that what your friends know, your husband know, your wife knows? If you put yourself, this is what's going to come out of you. And Paul asks that we will finally come to a place that our hearts will be consumed by Jesus. You press him, Jesus comes out. That my heart that Christ might dwell in my heart by faith, that I might be rooted and grounded in love. Oh God, <laughs> I'm so easily, so insecure. I'm so easily, uh, so fearful of this thing and that thing. If I can just be rooted again in your love. I've accepted fear. I've accepted certain insecurities. I've accepted certain things in my life. I've accepted these weeds in my life and I'm just settling for a lower grade of Christianity. And Lord, then I'm asking, Lord, that you will come together with all the shames. Show us the depth, the width, the length, and the height of the love of God. I remember 20 years ago, I had this little revelation of Jesus. Oh, it was great. And since that time, I've been hanging on to that revelation of Jesus' love. I had a sermon about it, and I've been preaching that same message for the last 20 years. No, 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 no. There's widths, there's depths, there's lengths, there's height of the love of God. That, oh, come God, come and show it. And then he says, so that I can come to the fullness of God. Oh Lord, I've settled for something lower than the fullness of God. The fullness of God. Boom. 30, 60, 100 fold. Right? Something in us need to go and say, I cannot be happy with weeds in my land. I want to be fruitful. And then I think, and I'm throwing it like the way that we get out those weeds. Look, we can do an altar call today and it's like, okay, who wants the weeds out? Jesus, take out the weeds, right? That will be simple, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's not simple. It's a battle that you need to say, I, I hate that weed. Oh, it's lawful. Is it profitable? Can I watch YouTube? It's lawful. Is it profitable? Can I drink this? Can I do this? It's lawful. Is it profitable? So David, right? I've been reading the Psalms as well. Oh, David. <laughs> Yenna. That guy, right? So this is David, okay? He's, he's, he's the king of the whole nation. 
Granted, there's a few worries around. Must be. I'm the king. I'm ruling a whole nation. Now, let me tell you something about that nation. It turns out that that nation is not the most loved nation in the world. They've got enemies on the north, enemies on the south, west and east, and they all want to wipe them out. And of all of them, they want to wipe him out the most. Their military is more advanced than his military. There's a lot to worry about, just on an international front. Locally, oh, there's a few things in my own cabinet of guys that's out there to get me. My family is sometimes a bit messed up. My own son wants to take me out. Yeah, there is some things to worry about. I tell you, David had more potential worries than all of us together. And you read Psalms because if you squeeze David, a psalm pops out. <laughs> psalms is not David as a songwriter and went down and like, I'm going to have a songwriting weekend now and write songs. Right? Songs was his di- psalms was his diary. That's how he lived life. I read it. I mean, the guy had so much, so much adventure, so much discovery in God. Right? Most people would have a song, one experience, and there's the Christian walk for the rest of their lives. He just, he just discovered him in so many ways. And this is what David does. You know, uh, uh, one of the things that I've learned about uh, uh, getting weeds out of Lucerne is you, you spray a herbicide that nails the Lucerne as well as the weed. But then what you do is you give stuff that nourishes the Lucerne and starve the wheat. This is what we have to do. We need to feed the lucerne and we need to starve the weed. So David goes and he says this. All right, God, they are all over. They want to get me. I just want to say that. This one don't like me. This all, they're all against me, God. All right, this weed is coming, God. <laughs> he wants to choke me. I'm just mentioning it to you. And then he shifts. God. And he starts meditating on God. He refused to let that weed grip him. He refused to let that thing settle on him. He who sets his mind, he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is set on the Lord. There's this violence of I will not allow this weed to settle. I'm going to meditate on God. Oh, you want, you want my meditation? You want my thought? Every care, every pleasure, every riches? You want my thought? I will not give it to you. I am flippant violent against you. I hate you. <laughs> I'm not going to give it to you. And I'm going to put my attention, I'm going to put my mind on God. And as I feed that and starve the other, he'll find a way to see this thing shrivel away. You see how it, you see as he reads the psalm, how it shrivels away before him. It's like this thing that's just that big and it starts getting smaller and smaller as he looks to the Lord until it's like, what was that again? (laughs) Just praise the Lord. I mean, psalms is like, how is that for leadership training? How's that for how to sort out your issues? David was just, his card, his strategy was looking to the Lord. Ruling a nation and having issues more than what we could ever imagine. Free, a man of peace and joy. Ah, (laughs) I want it. All right. So let's pray. This I know. This I know, that even though I pray and even though I agree, we agree on prayer, it's not going to rip all the weeds out. 
But I think if we can determine in our hearts, I want to have a life of fruitfulness. I can so easily slip in the place that I'm a Christian for life. But settle for so little of explosive fruit in my life. And so Jesus, we want to come and just wake us up again, Lord. Wake us up again towards you. Wake us up again to the inheritance that you have in the saints. Father, where we have settled for survival and where we have settled for get by, Lord, there's just so much more, Lord. Wake us up to that. Father, I pray that the word in this house will be marked by the fact that there's fruitfulness, 30, 60, and 100-fold, Father. Father, I pray that we will recognize every wheat, Father, that seems to cry out that it deserves our mind space and our heart space, that we will hate it. <laughs> and Father, that we will starve that thing, Father. I pray that we will be a people that you find hearts and minds meditating on you, your goodness, and your word all the days of our lives, Jesus. Father, the battle is on. The battle is on for our hearts, Jesus. And we will not settle, Lord Jesus. Until you find soil, Father, that can produce so much fruit and so much harvest. Bless you. Praise you, Lord. Amen. Sure.